Well, good morning. How about the weather today? Uh, isn't this great? Uh, I didn't check, but uh, I know at my house about uh, 7 o'clock it started raining and thunder and lightning, and it was very exciting. I know that because my dog told me how exciting it was. She did not like it. Uh, we are continuing talking through the heart attitudes, and uh, today uh, really looking at uh, what it takes to learn and to grow in the faith. Uh, and so having to do with uh, correction, you realize that there's no uh, growth without challenge, without uh, if everything always goes right, we tend to not grow. And uh, so when we talk about being corrected, uh, in our culture, uh, kind of one of the, the greatest offenses is judging someone. But let's be clear that every one of us all the time we judge things. We judge situations, businesses, and I don't just mean one star or four stars. We judge movies, we judge food, and, and yes, we judge people all the time. And the reason often you hear people say things like, don't judge me, is because they don't like uh, the response that they're going to get, right? Don't judge me means I know what I'm doing you disagree with and, and I don't want that. It, it's very different than saying, you know, I really don't care <laughs> what you think. Uh, but to say don't judge me means, well, I kind of do care and I don't think I'm going to like the outcome. And yet, uh, the heart attitude three the third one uh, is that we would be willing to participate in giving and receiving spiritual correction. So from the start, you're setting yourself up to say, I, I kind of need to be judged. I need some assessment of where I'm at. This is going to involve two things that are so essential. Spiritual correction involves both truth and love. And it has to involve both all the time. And I have a feeling that uh, all of us, maybe most of us, but probably all of us, we tend to fall on one of those really well. That some of us are like, man, I've got a good grasp of truth. And then we tend to come up short on, on the love part. And then there's some that, that they're all about love. And so they don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. And so they, they come up short on the truth part. It's kind of that response where you'll hear from, from Christians that they'll, all they'll talk about is Jesus' love. And, and what would Jesus do, but they forget that what Jesus might do is pull out a whip and, and chase people out of the temple. 
we tend to forget the truth part and the importance. Or we just fall all over truth and forget the love. And yet they always go together. Paul was writing to the church in Ephesus. He said, rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. Right? So the key is as we grow spiritually, as we grow into the likeness of Christ and we grow in maturity as Christians, we're supposed to grow in every way. Which means that there's going to be aspects of our, our life that we're not really wanting to grow in. And it is essential that even in those areas that we mature and become Christ-like. And so, first of all, biblical truth is essential for helpful correction. Right, that if we're going to talk about uh, correcting behavior in ourselves, in someone else, it has to be established in biblical truth. This isn't your opinion. Here's what you ought to do. Now, realizing that, that when you're receiving correction, hopefully you're receiving correction from a mature believer who's bringing in wisdom to help you apply biblical truth. But it has to be biblical. Paul told Timothy about scripture and the importance of it. He says, all scripture is breathed out by God. It's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete equipped for every good work. There's that completeness, right? That maturity again. And, and that the scripture is useful. By the way, these aren't just four random things. This is a, a progression, right? He says that it is profitable for teaching. That's instruction, right? You would say something like, this is what is true. And then he says, reproof. Well, that's not a word we use a lot, but it basically means conviction, right? So you're, you're instructed, here's what's true. You're convicted that maybe some area of your life, something you're doing or saying isn't quite what's true. And so you would say, well, this is what's true. This is what you're doing is wrong or what I am doing is wrong. There's a, an expression of of blame or disapproval. And then correction, he says. The, the Greek word for correction here actually means to straighten out. And so this is the, here's what you ought to do. And then training in righteousness. This is discipline. This is the, here's how you do what you know you're supposed to do. And, and, and I have this feeling that, that most of the time, we know what we ought to do, right? You're like, you know what you're supposed to do. Now you got to do it. That's why that training and discipline is so important. It, it's why God gives us the church that we would support one another in this, 
right? Last week, that's what we were talking about. And so what we ought to do as we apply scripture and say, here's what's true, right? We're convicted by God's word. We know the right thing to do. And then we're trained and encouraged and supported by the church and by brothers and sisters to do the right thing. Where all of this breaks down is way back at the beginning when Paul told Timothy, here's what you're supposed to do with God's word, right? All scripture is breathed out by God and it's profitable. And so if, if Timothy, as he is instructing with God's word, as he is training people and discipling them to grow into the likeness of Christ, if, if that's the breakdown, right? If, if there's no presentation of God's word, there's a problem. If Christians don't say, this is what we believe, this is what's true, this is what's right, then there's a breakdown and it stops working the way it's supposed to. So our spiritual correction has to be based on biblical truth and then without love, we're just harping on each other, right? Without love, if, if it's just, here's all the things you're doing wrong, then there's a problem there too. If you don't care, if there's no love, then why are we bothering, right? Then it's all about how I feel when I correct you. If I don't love you, it's, it's really, it's about how I feel about me. And that's not profitable, as Paul said. Proverbs 13:42 Whoever spares the rod hates his son but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. Right? We talk about this one a lot in the context of what kind of discipline should parents engage in to help their children grow. But really don't miss the point. That discipline is hard. That's the point of discipline. It's not easy. If it was easy, then there'd be no reason to not spare it. And then Proverbs 9, 7 and following, whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse. And he who reproves a wicked man incurs Injury. Do not reprove a scoffer, he will hate you. Reprove a wise man, and he will love you. So there's two people here. This is a story of two very different people. There's the scoffer, another word we don't use a lot, but we all know scoffers. We all know people that when you say, hey, don't forget this, they go, I know. Like, well, if you knew, I wouldn't have had to tell you. Why would you say, I know? And so there's the scoffer. Then there's the wise man. The wise man's the one when they say, hey, try this next time. And their response is, you know, that makes some sense. Let me see what I can do with that. Right? I can grow now because of what you told me. And then verse 9, he says, give instruction to a wise man. He will be wiser still. Teach a righteous man and he will increase 
in learning. When I was 20 years old, learning these verses for the first time, I had a decision to make, as every one of us does. How will you receive instruction? Will you receive it like the scoffer? Will you be the one who goes, I think you're way off here. I think you're the one who has the problem. Or will you be the one who says, you know what? I can grow from this. I can be better because of this. What is it that you're going to do with correction? It's not just that you would be willing to give and receive instruction. Timing matters. In Hebrews 3.13, it says, Exhort one another every day as long as it's called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. There is a warning here that when you go on with sin without uh, having a, a willingness to learn, at some point, there becomes a hardening of the heart. It's something scripture talks about a lot, this hardening of the heart. It, it, it might look like the person that over time has become jaded, cynical. Now, cynicism in general isn't the sin. Cynicism might be that, well, I, I tend to question, I, I want to know. It's not that personality aspect. This is that hardening of the heart that when you're confronted with truth, your response is, that is not me. I don't know what you're talking about. And in fact, how dare you even say it? You see, that's the danger. While it's still called today, we need to engage the truth of Scripture. There is a, a sense that we exhort right? That's the word uh, in Hebrews. It means to strongly encourage or urge. He says, there's that sense that we need to do it before it's too late. Now, have you ever, uh, I know this has happened for every parent always, that at some point your kid does something and you're like, am I supposed to pick my battles? No, this is the battle, right? Let's get in. Let's, let's engage this behavior, this attitude, this situation. When we were in regard to other relationships, we tend to have the exact opposite reaction. I'm going to let that go. I'm not going to deal with that. I don't want to be the one that, that has to step in and put myself in harm's way here. I'm not sure who I'm dealing with. Am I dealing with the wise man that will respond uh, favorably? Or am I dealing with the scoffer and it's going to come at me? And yet there's a sense that there's a time that we need to engage. And so correction is for a reason. Correction is not punitive. The goal of correction is always edification and restoration. Right? That's the point. 
the goal of correction is never what you did hurt me and I want to get even. The goal of correction is always it hurt, but I love you enough that I'm still engaged. I love you enough that I'm still going to step in and intercede on your behalf to help you. James talking about this, I I always appreciate uh, the letter that James wrote to the churches because it is so practical. He says, my brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. James is saying, look, if you see a brother, a sister, you see uh, someone that, that you have a relationship with straying off the path, say something. The, the, the picture is so clear that it would be like if you had, had been out there in the middle of, of Interstate 10, you're driving down the road and you see someone standing right in the middle of the lane. What would you do? Well, this is Los Angeles. I would like look the other way, change lanes, just keep on going. At some point you would go, you know, we need to do something on behalf of this person. I need to get on the phone and call 911 and see if we can get them help. I need to to slow down, put on my hazard lights, and, and hopefully people see them because obviously this is someone in a dangerous situation and, and on my job to intercede on their behalf when they can't do it for themselves. What would you do? Yet when you look around and you see a brother or sister that, that seems to be off the right path, that seems to be being led astray, what will you do when it looks like they're in danger? Will you step in and make, put on the hazard lights, call out, you got to do something. And then often the response when you do that, no, 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 I'm okay. It's not that big of a deal. I'm just making a choice. I'm just doing this right now. I'll, I'll get things right later. Now, our job is always the same to be the one to say, you know, look, something's not quite right. To do it with truth and, and love. My wife and I were driving one evening and that literally that's what happened. There was a lady wandering through the intersection and, and we're like, what do we do? Like, how do we help this lady? There's obviously something wrong. And I said, I don't know. Call 911. Let's, let's see. And they said they'd already received five calls. And I'm like, so grateful. And we kind of waited around and we waited for the, the police car to come. And okay, so the lady got the help she needed. And, and I thought about it. So I didn't regret calling to try and get help for this person. But if I hadn't called, I would have regretted not. I would have went, what happened to her? I hope she was okay. I hope she got the help she needed. And so after going, okay, they had already got five calls. So grateful. When you see a brother or sister 
do you care enough to step in, perhaps into an uncomfortable situation? Or to say, you know, can I pray for you? I see what's going on. Can I help you? Hebrews 12, 11, for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. This is the purpose of discipline. There is an end goal. And in the midst of it, that process is uncomfortable and awkward, but the end result will be to look back and say, we're so much better off than we were. Does anyone really enjoy discipline or correction? No, I want to be told I'm doing awesome. We were told, man, that was great. Not, dude, you messed up, right? I, I hate that feeling of, honey, I know I said I was going to do this, but I didn't do it. Or, yeah, I, you know, kind of wasted my time today. I kind of lost my temper, right? All of those things that I know I'm supposed to do. And I hate that feeling afterward. And I don't want someone to go, you know, you kind of hurt my feelings. You kind of overstepped where, what you should have done here. That's very much not what I want to deal with. I want people to say, you're great. You're doing really well. I want to be like you when I grow up. Proverbs 12, 1, whoever loves discipline loves knowledge. But he who hates reproof is stupid. I love that translation. I'm not supposed to say that. Our, our house when the kids were little, oh, that's a bad word. We don't say that. Yeah, my kids are older. They're okay saying it now. In Proverbs 8, 33, hear instruction and be wise. And don't neglect it. Right? To hear instruction and then to go, eh, that's not wise. But to hear it, to learn from it, that's wise. It is hard to be corrected. But stick with it. Often when we're corrected, we want to pull back. Uh, I can't tell you how often as a pastor when... I've had those discussions with people. There's a tendency, and I, I have to warn them of this situation. This is uncomfortable. This is awkward. Yet it's biblical, and the only reason I'm saying it is because I love you. And, and you know what happens in a lot of churches when, when that conversation goes on? That might be the last time you see those people. Because they're like, you just told me something I did was wrong. You just told me. And it may not even be a one-on-one -on -one conversation. I've had it when it was in the middle of a sermon. Then afterward, someone said, you said this. And I went, it was in the Bible. And they go, but it hurt. 
that, that God's word, the truth of it, can hurt. Because it's true. And so there's this tendency of what you just said hurt my feelings and I want to pull back. And yet, the biblical response is to push in. When things are hard, when things are uncomfortable and, and you want to pull back, pull out, you got to go and do the opposite, push in. I had a, uh, a lunch meeting uh, with my pastor and uh, he said, I don't, I don't remember the specifics, but there was something that as he and I were talking about, I went, I kind of really blew it. And then later that day, he called me. He goes, that was kind of rough. I'm like, I'm glad you knew that. <laughs> How are you doing? And I, 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 had to, I had to deal with it. I went, I'm doing okay. I think you're right. I need to work on that. But it was uncomfortable, and, and I could have done the opposite. I could have gone, you know what? That's it. I'm out. I can't believe he said that to me. Can't believe that he recognized something in me that didn't make me feel good. We're not supposed to do that. We're supposed to tell people, you just be you. Do you. I've heard that said way too many times. And yet, if I do me, there's some things that, that aren't right. In fact, the goal would always be that I would do Christ, right? As I grow in faith, I would be more like him. Yet, why do we do that? Why do we pull out? Well, I was thinking about this yesterday. You guys know, it's pride. Full on, it's just pride. You hurt my feelings. You hurt my pride. You damaged my self-esteem by telling me that maybe I did something wrong. It's pride. I heard uh, Pastor Randy Lanthrop yesterday. He said this, and I wrote it down. I quoted him. He says, it's not as important to be right as it is to get right. It's not as important to be right. Your pride would say, I need to be right in this situation. But what's far more important is when it's not right to step in and make the situation right. To apologize where you need to. To have that awkward discussion and say, you know, something's not quite right here. That's way more important. If you would like to be in, in 20 years, 20 years more mature, deeper in the faith with the Lord... That's how you respond. You work on making your relationships right. You work on, on getting right with the Lord, allowing God to use believers with biblical spiritual correction in your life. That's how you grow spiritually. Instead, you could be 20 years from now. Well, I've been a Christian for 20 years, but I'm still... Well, I just had a year each time I didn't actually grow. That's just time instead of maturity. Galatians 6, 9, he says, And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap 
if we do not give up. Notice the key is to not give up. And sometimes you're going to blow it. And sometimes you're going to be the one that has to step in and go, let me help you with this. Either way, it's worthwhile. Because pride is a very real sin, we have a responsibility to acknowledge that we're all sinners, right? All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, right? The, the, the punishment for our sin is death, but it's a free gift through Christ that we would believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay for our sins, that we might trust him and then grow in faith to become more like Christ. I have some next steps for you today. Uh, first of all, you need to evaluate, or let's make it personal. My next step today is to evaluate how receptive I have been to scriptural, biblical correction. When you read God's word and you're like, mm, that's not what I've been doing. That's not how I've looked at things. How receptive are you to that? When you hear a sermon, a Bible study, when you're spending time with other believers, maybe it's that one-on-one -on -one and, and you hear something and you're like, definitely need to do something different. How receptive have you been to that? And then if you haven't been to make that change. And then the second one, my next step today is to be bold. I may need to speak the truth in love, right? I, I may need to, to step in with a brother or sister and to say, hey, how can I help you? You know, there's, there's something not, not quite going on that, that ought to be here. And then the third one there. It's a blank. That's to fill in. What, what, uh, what do you need to do different? How have you responded to correction? How are you responding to correction? And how have you been willing to step in on the behalf of someone else and let God use you to help them with truth of scripture and love? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are grateful that you are a God who loves us enough that you put us together with other believers and you give us the Bible, your word, that the truth of it would guide us and that mature believers would invest in our lives, support us, and help us as we grow as disciples of Jesus. And Father, I pray for each one here that as they reflect on what they've done in the past and how they've responded, and regardless of that, that, that perhaps today they need to apologize, make a situation right, respond appropriately to correction. If they need to, to step up and say something, they would do that. But Father, in the context 
of correction. It would always be the truth of Scripture and the love we have for one another. Even as Jesus loved us, we would love each other in the same way. Father, we thank you for Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.